0: Good morning people. You're yeah, tuned into update. Another good show. What a beautiful day out there, eh? So, Saturday, 14th. So, it's um, going to be another big tech show. you tuned in to Update. My name's Anthony Blomfield, bringing you all things cool and in technology inspiring you to get your heads out of your, your TikToks and out of your games and learn about real computer science um, and uh, get inspired. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be a good show. And um, let's start a bit of the news. So, yep, you got the old update, Anthony Bonfield. Um, update.chat if you want my website. You send me messages, people. It's easier through the website. And, um, yeah, so let's start going in. All right, so what's the good news? Well, the good news is the poor old hardworking scientists have been uh, working on a vaccine. It looks like they're coming around the corner. So um, good on them. So it's going to take a while. I just uh, read the report um not, not that I'm allowed to really get into any COVID information, but the science is looking like um, sort of within the next fourteen months. So, um, let's hope we enjoy a summer in New Zealand peacefully here and hear some good news next year. Um, so SpaceX. Now I'm um, hopefully some of you are starting to realize some passion for SpaceX. It's a um big rocket company in America with old Elon Musk doing amazing things he has just uh, did a burn of his brand new spaceship um, called Starlink what a machine people this is this is truly please turn off your Netflix go back to YouTube people and watch the old Starlink t- um, episodes and documentaries of Elon Musk Starlink is the rocket that Elon Musk proposes will take us into deep space? First mission to Mars, um, twenty thirty, with a man woman landing on Mars and a return trip. So pretty wild, anyway. He's done. They've done the uh, they've done the boost, and it looks like it went fairly successfully. And that's your um, Starling spaceship. It's mammoth. Um, it makes like the Apollo. Spaceship Saturn, um, basically five, six, seven times the size of that, as far as thrust goes. Um, yeah, so he's, he's done that, and of course, our old Rocket X is still uh, exploding with all sorts of new tech. But they—they're um, just campering down. They're still uh, winning the small spaceship race or uh, Rocket Lab. And um okay, so uh have we got in the old um sort of tick tech, tech, tech world that you guys like. So, um TikTok is still in lot of trouble with America and they're trying to effectively well they're they basically uh, how do I say this? So so the American government are basically trying to bribe them off the Ameri- Chinese own government, um but um, now, because the transition of power, it's all got a bit hibbled jibbled. So, um, my advice is stick to YouTube. It's better. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, um, as far as all the new gadgets and stuff, uh, Xbox is coming out with a new 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 system. As people know about that. Same with PlayStation trying to get people back into the um, sort of PlayStation Xbox gaming arena again out, uh, out of the consoles away from the computer. I personally think they've missed the, missed the mark. I think um, this is PlayStation 5 by the way. I think um, quite frankly the people that play games now won't won't probably go back to the plug it into the TV and and you know, people are used to simply downloading their games. Um, yeah, so um, Zoom is opening uh, getting rid of the 40 minute a limit for um, Thanksgiving, and they are being exploded with investment money. Um, So those investors didn't put money on silly houses that don't do anything. They put it into a technology company now with billions. There you go. And they don't even have to go and paint them or mow the lawn. So isn't that a good investment (laughs) right now um yeah so let me get back into my 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 big show today which is going to be much more exciting and um yeah i can't wait to get into what i'm going to tell you about today so all right ladies and gentlemen so today's show okay so once again don't forget you've got um the update this is the best tech show in new zealand it's the only tech show on the radio now so please tell your friends. Do do a tweet for me. Say, look, guys, you know you've all heard your music enough, and you, you bang your head against the wall to the modern rubbish music, and you're all sick of the gardening shows. We all know how to get wet and forget on the lawn. So please give me a get, t- tune into 104.6. Um, get a new dose of intellectual information for yourself. Uh, This is not political, this is not your gardening, and this is not cooking. So isn't that cool? And this is not health therapy or, you know, how to make your baby. It's going to be the tech show, um, so come on in. And actually what's happening with this show is um, as my audience grows, I'm going to become a bit more formal and structured, and it's going to start getting into some series of topics, so coding, web development, um, starting with – Starting with the start of next year will be a series on the fundamentals of computer science. And computer science is often thought of um, as really the computer engineering. So I will be giving you um, what most in the industry calls computer science, and that's your low-level logic how it works, every component of a computer, what Boolean logic is, what a flip-flop is, how a computer counts, what RAM is, how RAM moves around, what a central processing unit is, what a kernel is, what an operating system is, and how a computer works. Now, all that, ironically, is just computer engineering, Um, and in my world, which is even a step above that is computer science. It's actually really cool. It's totally abstract, but anyway, I'll give you be doing a series on computer engineering or computer science um, next year, and that will be sort of starting with um, you know the basics of uh, what makes binary code and working up. But today's topic uh, is going to be interesting because what I'm going to try and do is get you excited about computer science. So please text, tweet your friends, put a tweet on for me, um, update.chat, planetaudio.org.nz for such update. Do send a few friends to say, look, listen to an interesting show on the radio about technology um, because I want to, for the first time, show you why computer science is exciting, okay? Why computers are interesting, why um, like everything in life, the more you look into it, the more interesting it is. Now, I want to today leave you going, oh my God, that is so different to what I thought computers were. That is so different to what I studied at my university and was bored. Um, that's literally where people will go, wow. So then you'll get hooked into my show and you'll want to be coming back and listening. So today's show is almost about getting interested in in computer science itself giving you the passion of it why it's interesting why it is so amazing and quite frankly it seems like a lost bit of education this um, because what most seems to do in this this area of technology is people just rattle off what's being done so you know they might tell you how an LCD screen works or a transistor and all that but you know it's nice to get some ex- excitement of what it's all about and this is cool. This is going to be really interesting for you guys. So, please, so once again, yep, update.chat, Anthony Blomfield. Do send a tweet or a text or Facebook for me, uh, planetaudio.org.nz 4 slash update. Anyone in the world can tune into that and then let me get going. All right. All right. Thanks for doing that. So, computer science. So, I obviously, like others, partly got into computer science because of, of the pay. <laughs> But actually, learning it is dead boring sometimes. Um, you know, picking up a book and having to learn, you know, some parts of a computer was really dead. So, anyway, ironically, my girlfriend bought me a book called, um, well, actually, this is a lot later, but what I actually started to do, and I'm, I'm sure some business owners feel like this, is that computers seem to be changing a lot, IT changes. There's all these acronyms and stuff. And you couldn't tell where the hell the industry was going. So you'd be like, well, um, I know this works now, but I don't know what the next cable is going to be or the next computer or the next software will be. And what I ended up doing is realizing I'm better to learn, instead of just learning the engineering, I'm going to start learning about the scientists that invented computers, learn about their life, what made them tick. And it's but almost like a sort of a an unwritten code that carries on through computers is the personality of the people that invented them, and that's really much more interesting. Well most people think of a computer as a as a nuts and bolts machine with more nuts and bolts on it, but actually, if you think about it, it was the dedication of creative geniuses and uh, sort of uh, almost agnostic people who looked at the world and thought they could do better. And um, so I'm going to start, start talking about them and why, again, computers are not these boring and boxes. Right. So um, so let's, yeah. So basically, how, how do we go with this? So effectively, what we're going to be talking about is um, some computer history, and how computers in a way um, are not dead and lifeless okay um, and I'll work backwards from the future almost back to the early people and so let's start with sort of some in the um, early pioneering days the, the latter pioneering days let's talk about the old uh, let's talk about the old Apple the old Steve Jobs and his team so um, the thing is is what um where do we start almost so the first computers were really just number crunching um i think that's where um most people left the computer world to the to the engineers in the in the beginning they thought oh stuff this i'm not almost interested in this it's just for engineers so, because what would the original computers were for when I'll get into this, were literally number crunching. They were glorified calculators with memory. Okay? Now, anyone in the old days who had to work out the buoyancy of a ship, like the Titanic, to work out all the strength of the steel, maybe, and the engines, they'd have to get old pen and paper, you know, and more, a mechanical calculator and just work all day and night. Now, the idea, of course, of a computer being out a number crunch, it, all the dynamics of a buoyancy of a ship um, obviously made, made their world good. But um, the area that they were used for still was not the area that most people use them for today. And I think we, there's a big leap that we um, still missed, okay? And that is this concept of computers meeting graphics the graphical user interface a graphical user interface really was almost um, people now use it as almost just a sleight of hand which is oh it's this graphical user interface no big deal it's just a layer on top of the computer it's not it's actually a big part of the fundamentals of computer science that um, made computers friendly made them um, trustworthy almost so um what, how, how does this work? So effectively, what happened is um, Steve Jobs was, you know, obviously a bit of a bit of a nut, let's be honest, a bit of a hippie. And he was all about making computers as accessible as possible for the average day people. And um, when he saw what Xerox had done... <coughs> And Xerox had, and I think too many people just simply say Apple stole Xerox's work. But actually, Apple took Xerox's work really way past what Xerox was doing. Um, and it's important to talk about this. So, so Xerox had made a very utilitarian-based graphical user interface for the machine. And um, it was cool. I mean, it... it it was workable, but Steve's Steve sort of brought the passion into it. <clears throat> so, um, because as we all know, he was it was you know sort of a wannabe artist, wannabe creative person, and he realised that um, let's make this thing beautiful, let's make this thing enjoyable to 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 use, and let's make this rich. And then the the idea is that number crunching would be hidden from the user and that people would interact with what they were familiar with and happy about the idea of friendly buttons and switches and colors. And by doing that, a user would be feel that they could enjoy the experience, experience of the computer. And Steve at the time was actually very passionate about um, calligraphy, for example, at the time. He was really interested in fonts. He was really interested in um Effectively, aesthetics, aesthetics. So, um, what happened is he didn't just take Xerox's sort of interface, the very bare bones. He, he gave it to the Macintosh team to really push. Excuse me. And so, with the um, the first Mac, Steve really pushed to go. Well, look, let's let's make this. Not a machine of number crunching, okay. And this is a pivotal shift that the computer industry's happened that we all just take for granted. We didn't. We don't talk about it really. We don't seem to know. We sort of just go from number crunching computers, number crunching computers. Oh, I'm just playing a game on my on my computer. Um, but the graphical interface that Steve Jobs was so passionate about really um, is much more than just an interface, okay. And kind of you know the Microsoft. Cult lovers will, will sort of keep going oh it's just a windows interface no it's a lot more and the reason is is that graphics in a computer have to be done with mathematics so Steve's team really helped push the concept of turning graphics into um, into binary calculus um, boolean maths. And um, all every single icon you see on your screen is effectively a, a mathematical code. It's it's often a vector, or even a three dimensional vector these days, um, or even at its most primitive, it's a um, it's a grid of pixel information for like a JPEG. But every graphical in- interface on your computer is really um, Steve's team turned it into. Uh, I mean, uh, draw a p- piece of a, a picture of a I don't know lollipop on your computer on your pen and paper you know colouring in pencils, but for a computer to do that, well, Steve's team made that look easy. so this is um what Steve's did Steve's team did, and they were really they really inter- cared about it, and the whole point is is that they made computers accessible and it gave the explosion of the um, of the graphic design industry there's no way people are really going to use a number crunching computer before that to start doing you know clever topography and even Steve invented really in the beginning a way of turning fonts into nice code for um, making it all pretty on your screen effectively excuse me I'm just going to look something up here i said just have the thing on here all right, so um, so um, anyway so basically that's um, the later part of the passion for computers so I'm sort of working back to the original passion of computers so Steve was very passionate about the graphical interface and that's what we have now that's what we use and of course he he made us this um, guy's work really hard and and we all, all know about that excuse uh, just a, just a minute Right. All right. So um, now we have. So, so, but yeah, like I say, so Steve really pushed this graphical thing, got really excited about it. And here's the other thing that was happening, um, which is it was happening with the around that time in the Silicon Valley. And that's this concept of free information to the masses. Okay. Sound familiar? So um, back in the 60s, after the sort of the Cold War, Steve joined a group called the um, Homebrew Computer Group where they were talking about computers also liberating people's freedom of information. The concept of people being able to disseminate information or data with one another without potentially it being hijacked by corporates or governments in the sixties, <laughs> and um, being one of these hippies that he was, not saying that I, you know, I think it's a bit of a weirdo, but being one of the hippies at the time, he thought, look, the computer that we're working on really has the opportunity to, um, uh, excuse me, to really push push for this, and. Um, Excuse me, just looking up the name here of uh, someone here, but yeah, effectively they were looking and talking and d- posting pictures of all these idea of all these computers effectively being able to talk to each other. So, are the idea of Steve's team and other computer people around that area of Silicon Valley and all around the world of just simply baking a a product that would you know allow you to you know just simply do your accounts was not really where the the heart came from and why Apple took off. It was this concept of giving people their freedom to do what they want, the idea that they would be able to transmit and be um, able to send data at some time, sort of there's a part of that. And also the concept of graphics being this beautiful era of computers where people would be able to be artists on these machines. They'd be able to design, they'd be able to draw Um, and those people pushed the the industry of computers really into a real leapfrog from the number crunching again into what is ubiquitous now, which is these graphical things. So anyway, so why am I saying that is basically because the work that went into that was driven by people who really thought that these machines would be be cool. You know, they really thought that they would be... um, Really, really interesting, and that's something that sort of gets lost is sort of why Steve did it, and why you know, you know, why they at first Max came with a whole lot of fonts and so many free drawing apps and stuff, and um, why there's so much bitterness between Steve and and Steve uh, Steve Jobs, which is Steve was like, You don't kind of get what we're doing, guys, it's not just a way of doing your Excel sheets, we're doing something bigger than this. And Steve, you know, Steve is always on the interviews later on in life, you know, trying to express this. But, but yeah. And then, anyway. So let's go back to really more, um, more interesting um, uh, people who sort of started the um, the, the, the computer again, and um, talk about you know what what happened. All right. So, um, okay. So, um, yeah. right. All right. So now we're going to go back to one of my favorite pioneers of the computer pe- people, the person who was really, really passionate. Um, okay. All right. Um, okay, just a sec. All right. All right, so, um, just to say here, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the, one of my most passionate people who um, pushed the computer generation, um, computer science far, and why you should um, really find it interesting, okay? And that was Alan Turing. So I'm just going to leave you with something, and I'm just going to bring that information up. Just give me a sec here, guys, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Sorry about that. I just got a message that I had to do something in the studio. Right. So basically, we've got um, the person who really, my mind, was putting the most passionate about computer science and gave us what we want. And so I want you to be introduced, excuse me, to Alan Turing. Okay. So Alan Turing, people. <clears throat> so every time you think of your computer as being dull... This is really the heart of where the passion comes. So, are you ready? Buckled in. Okay. So, next time you think of computer science as sort of, oh, uh, yeah, for the for the people that, I don't know, they're not the great musicians or the great uh, humanitarians or whatever, you know, you kind of, let's say, oh, wow. Wow. Let's think about Alan Turing. Okay. So, um, now... What amazed me when after years of sort of learning Java and things like that and finding computers so dull is when I finally watched the Imitation Game and I invite everybody who's interested in doing a Bachelor of Science in Computers. If you're a teen at school or even doing a computer course, watch the Imitation Machine and watch it through once as a movie and then watch it through again Um, with playing the documentary that goes along with it and the science that goes along with it. So, all right. So let's all remember The Imitation Game as a movie. Now, I'm sure most people have seen it. So what is pretty incredible is when you start to realize that really the first computer was not to do your accounts. It was not to... Um, send a photo of your lunch it was not to um, make a silly comment on YouTube about um, you look fat um, it wasn't all these things it was um, it was to save blooming Mother England it was life and death so I don't think you can get more sort of passionate about something then than that so when you think of, oh, yeah, how boring, I've got to do a Windows update. Well, you know, Microsoft never got the power of computers. They're a money-making company. They never got excited about computer science. You know, quite frankly, they've never given us anything that's, you know, liberated the mankind in computer science. They're just a money-making company. You look at the early computer science, it was about liberating man's genius. Um, I mean, even the Polo computer with one megabyte that landed the the um, lunar lander on the moon. You know, this is computer science. This is passionate people. This is where it's supposed to be. And I won't lie, since about 1999, it seems like the computers, for for a while, um, some called the Dark Ages computers, and I was watching it, sort of fell into the uh, the, the, the the desktop form factor, and there was no innovation for a while. And I think we, we definitely... You know, came out of that. So anyway, um, now what? It, so what we've got now, of course, is the, the 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 Alan Turing effectively being told, "Can you come and make a machine for us that is, in fact, going to um, be able to crack the Enigma code?" Now you've got to understand in pure mathematics this is effectively impossible okay this is effectively impossible to do that so um what he managed to do was was really quite uh, a work of art and um and sorry i've got other things going on as it's sort of some weird things going on in the studio today uh, Someone's playing music uh, through my system. A bit annoying. Anyway, so uh, so what we got is a um sorry. It's really weird. We've got people playing things and overtaking, <laughs> um, distracting me with. Okay. Anyway, so. Um, It's a bit weird. We've got some interference on the radio channel. You anyway. know. Okay, so Alan Turing um, was effectively given the task to make a machine that would break what was a mathematically impossible machine to break. On paper, the Enigma code was encrypted too much that anyone would be at it um, unencrypt it. It was impossible. Um, almost mathematically impossible to decrypt the Enigma machine. So Alan Turin was given the task to do the impossible. So this is why computers are so much more interesting than people sort of realise um, and why um, it's it should be remembered as such. It really is quite an incredible um, sort of device really. And um, yeah, and, and so that's kind of how 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 it works. And um, he was he was given the job to do the impossible, and of course he got the team together and he did it. And um, yeah, I think it's pretty incredible that he managed to do that. Okay, all right. Sorry, this, this strange. It's leakage in the system. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So. So. Um, yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Um, just people distracting me in the studio today with messages and um, music coming through on other channels, which is not very professional. Okay. So uh, what we got is um, Alan Turing told, well, effectively, my friend, um, your mathematics needs to save whole lots of innocent lives from, from dying and it's World War Two, and um, people are dying every single day. It's pretty scary and um, this is not simply writing a game which you do in university to you know c- count to seven and, and and run a washing machine cycle. this is um, this is really where if you want to join the computer science world and make a difference, you need to get your head around quite frankly the first computer and the, what it was all about and why you'll be so disgusted with yourself for something using your computer to to play uh, the very game of shooting people and will warcraft and whatever that alan Turing worked so hard to stop in real life so you know he, he couldn't be more uh, cruel to the original designers of computers than to play a computer game. Um, So anyway, he constructed the team of the best mathematicians, effectively, in England, Alan Turing, and he, um, in many ways, was the founder of the modern computer. Now, um, people say about things like the Babbage machine and and calculators, but Alan Turing was the one that really... uh, um, Created what was called a machine of machines, the machine that could do any other machine, and and this kind of concept of a um, a loop back loop or an if statement, and um, that makes a machine effectively able to think. So, machines up until that time really weren't thinking machines; they were just doing machines. So, um, people say the computer science goes back before Turing, an and of course it does in all sorts of ways, but. They weren't really thinking machines. They were just doing machines. So they're kind of like glorified calculators that could do, um, that could, could have memory and, and they could work out, you know, wind speed. But Alan Turing um, developed the idea that a machine could do any other machine. So, um, and and again, the the passion of this was simply, wow, my friend, uh, it's all your friends being shot right now in, in the war and it's pretty serious and therefore... Um, you know, we we're giving you all the resources, quite frankly, that you can handle, and your job is, yeah, again, to make a machine that will break the Enigma code, and that was the um, it was called the it was actually called the BOM, bomb B O M B boom, and the the machine was actually invented in uh, Poland, believe it or not. I can't remember the guy's name. I think its name was Christopher Zeus. Maybe I'll bring that up um but effectively the yeah my windows stopped so i can't look it up the 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 machine that um Turing did was was not really people would say it, it was it was based on the the polish machine but really only because it used the same somewhat mechanical parts it was it was a different logical system um anyway so the concept was is that when um the, the the Germans quite frankly were sending the transmission of instructions to the uh, troops on the ground it was encrypted and we all know about encryption now you know all of you probably have you know your banking website and you see HTTPS or you you all probably heard of encryption now it's almost ubiquitous isn't it as a term but um, encryption really goes so far back before computer science and the the Enigma um, machine, of course, basically encrypted all their instructions through to their um, their troops. And so, what you had was all these troops. Uh, yeah, and so effectively, yeah. So, if you wanted to hear what the instructions were, where the troops were going to be, what they were doing, and all the information, you had to decrypt that. And um, just like now, people can decrypt basic things with a supercomputer well in those days of course yeah you literally just had men and calculators and for a long time they had a series of series of these poor women all listening to these calls and people mechanically just writing it all on pen and paper and trying to work out almost guessing if they could work out what the um, how to decrypt it and what they uh, realized was that the the decryption was um, impossible effectively without a machine. And, and so Alan Turin realized well, hang on, I, because he had already um, written the theses and all the documents for the concept of a machine that could be any other machine and a machine that could effectively learn, a machine that could modify itself. And this was a theoretical um, area of. Science. It wasn't even called computer science. It was just a theoretical area of science that Alan Turing had been doing at um, Oxford, and this idea that um, a machine could modify itself. Um, Think of it like this: you know, you got a calculator, and you're it's it's working out um, the wind speed because uh, with with the different um, pressure distances in the atmosphere and that machine then started to work out the difference um of temperature flows in the ocean or something and the machine would decide what machine it needed to be anyway so Ter- Turing realized this could be done in a mechanical form to for the machine to effectively learn how to um de the enigma code and this is pretty wild, if you think about it and um, but but he went ahead and did it, and he had all these cogs of course, which represented sort of it was it didn't need to be binary, but it was effectively just um, it was working out if a number was a number and this this idea of an if statement, you know we use this in coding, which is if if is equal to if you know if uh, x is equal to seven, then do. Um, input y equals eight, and um, the, the the mechanical um, bomb machine from Alan Turing was if you know the Enigma code transmits zero 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 one one one, set the next rotary machine to one one seven seven one, and by having these lots of sort of mechanical if statements in a way, the um, machine was effectively able to organize its cogs over a period of time where it would start to work out the pattern of the um, scrambled message. Anyway, the, the important thing is, is these were not just sort of people, you know, uploading TikTok, no disrespect. These were people never sleeping. They were working day and night because every single minute that they delayed the scrambling message was more of their loved ones being killed. And... Um, what had happened, of course, is they did descramble the message, as you all all seen in the movie, The Imitation Games. Alan Turing was able to uh, his machine was able to do the impossible, <clears throat> to find out every single instruction that the Germans were sending to their troops, and this was incredible. And of course, at the time, Alan Turing was um, almost sealed off from society, and he. Only had a small group of people that he was able to share this information with. There was very, very few people that knew that Alan Turing and his team. You know, there was it was all in. um, I won't go there, but basically, all these people were it was was a small group of effectively inside of the inside. Who you imagine it? Every single instruction was being listened to. They knew every single move of the Germans. And this was just absolute, you know, talk about intelligence data, intelligence. These guys could not leave the premise. They were not allowed to associate with anyone. They weren't allowed to tell anyone anything. And, of course, they couldn't. They could not get it out that for years of the end of the war, the, the English and the Allies knew every move of the Germans. Isn't that crazy? So now... So, again, so computer science, next time you're shameably downloading a game where you actually are c- calling people on your computer screen, you know, World War Two games, well, the mathematics of your CPU that's burning through trillions of calculations a second came to you so you could, you know, shoot these things on your screen because of the blood, sweat and tears of Alan Turing and, and millions of others who work to stop the very reality of what you're wasting his machine to do. So you imagine that. You imagine your invention being, you know, used to do, to just, isn't it? So that's, yeah, so, so, but that's because, quite frankly, people don't really get the passion of computer science. They just think they're inert and they're boring. But anyway, so then you see that Alan Turing was, um, it was in a dilemma. And um, as you saw in the movie and, and many counts, it was this is this is you know this is what life was so painful about is these mathematicians that were running these computers knew exactly where the germans were going to bomb and they could not tell the allies that they were going to be bombed so you know again i you know i do hate computer games so i won't you know get that there and and because when you if you really care about computer science um and you've got you know a supercomputer in your home And you're too lazy to learn any coding or anything interesting and you just download a game, which most computer games are literally just a vector on your screen and a couple of what's called random loop algorithms to work out where your character's going to be. I mean, you're spending your life effectively shooting a random number in a vector and you think you're, you're doing something useful in your life. It's so sad. But anyway, so Alan Turing... Um, one of his team's brother was in one of the um, ships that was going to be blown up. It was a true part of that. And of course they, they weren't allowed to tell them oh by the way um, allies we know the Germans are going to bomb you because they knew if they told the allies to quickly change course the Germans would realise their Enigma code had been cracked. And they had let it off, that was it. So you talk about discipline, you talk about the pain of, of the decision to protect, you know, millions of people at their personal loss and stuff. And, you know, and then you might look at your computer differently. You might look at your, your screen and go, Oh, you mean this was made by hardworking, passionate, you know, sacrifice. So, you know, anyway, so that's, so that's the, the touring story. And of course, um, it wasn't just one or two um, transmissions that the, the team weren't allowed to tell. There was heaps. There was heaps. They couldn't tell lots of uh, little um, allies that they knew the Germans were going to come and steal, you know, even things like the oil from certain places. They just simply knew that once they'd let the allies sort of know, oh, by the way, we kind of know the Germans are doing this, the Germans would, would effectively throw the air and my re- a scrambling system and not change it, um, and therefore they would have really no real deep counterintelligence. It's one of the reasons people are so upset about Trump giving away all the trade secrets. America's worked so hard to have all these intelligence. Anyway, so then you've got to understand what would you be like if you'd spent your whole life working on these maths, working on these computers. You've got the, you can listen to your, the, 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 the enemy effectively giving instructions and in they're about to bomb Manchester, for example, and you know that you really can't always tell the Allies strategically depending on, on the attack because if you told them on that particular instance, you wouldn't have the chance to maybe stop a bigger incidence later. So, you know, this is what men were made of in those days. And so what happened is um, this is another part of computer science that's often missed, and it's the very part of computer science that's being used right now in all the Google algorithms. This is really true in Cambridge Analytica. Alan Turing invented this concept of predictive statistical um, calculus. He really did. His team... I mean, there was, it was mathematical and, and theoretical and, and, of course, statist, statistics had been around. But Alan's team changed the computer to become a statistical probability machine. And you don't get, didn't get that in the actual movie so much, but you can watch the documentaries and the science about it. So Alan's team then changed this computer to work out, and this is really scary, this is what you use day in, day out, by the way, now, the machine worked out the statistical probability of when to inform the Allies of an attack and the probability that the Germans would be able to work out that that attack was only because they knew the information from the code and they worked out a mathematical supermodel truly, this is well, you know, this is is before they, you know, this is the 1940s guys all right. And it's so embarrassing. In the 1940s, they were working out effectively super algorithms, okay, on paper. In the 1940s, and they reverse-engineered the entire concept of this, the, the, the the war game um, and reverse-engineered when to allow the Allies to know that the Germans were coming and when not to. And the Alan Turing, tight in the group, had control of the statistical data, of working out, well, if we tell them they're invading that village, but we won't tell them that, what we will do is we will give them a warning to move here. And it all became a probability thing. And um, later on, scientists discovered that because of the uh, reverse engineering of effectively the war game, uh, the Turing project and his mathematical, what was called a universal machine, was able to re- um, reduce the war by many years and save millions of people's lives. So there you go. So next time, okay? So there we go. When you, So, you know, there's more stories like that. All right, so... This is why when people sort of talk computers and the way you learn at university, it literally makes me want to cry. You know, this concept of just, oh yeah, Java does this, it makes your, your banner on your web page flick up. It's so cruel to the brilliance and the hardworking mathematicians and engineers and pioneering computer scientists who it was about life and death. Okay? So I do hope you look at your computer differently after this and anyway so, so this didn't stop this, 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 by the way the story doesn't end of course because Alan Turing um, all the theoretical knowledge of um the information, the if statement effectively the concept of using statistics to reverse engineer real world problems, which is you know what Cambridge Analytica did. It's quite frankly what even Facebook does now to show you the ads that you want. It's why you know what YouTube's are going to be showing to you. It's some of the same science that nineteen forties um, Oxford mathematicians were working out and the probability of. Knowing that you're going to click on the next icon was partly because of the the maths that was used as the probability of stopping an invasion. Okay, isn't is so Isn't it crazy? So anyway, so what happened about after this? Not just to give you even more um, insight into you know the the people that make these products for you is once that um, effectively ended the war. Um, and, uh, like, again, there was only very few of them that knew what um, the, the Enigma had been scrambled and this machine. Um, literally, it was only um, the Prime Minister and maybe six or seven people at the top. Um, the army was ordered to come in, in front of Alan and all his team, and burn the machine to the ground. Okay, so that machine was destroyed. Okay, it was basically beaten and broken, and it, uh, maybe it was burnt. In fact, I mean, just artistic license—that was burnt to the ground. Okay, so not only had they just dis- worked on this for so long, no one would ever know. Okay, that was burnt to the ground, and Alan was given a life of um, solemn silence. He was never allowed to tell a soul of what he worked on. Really, you yeah, well, Completely, and um, and so with this team, and so um, for the most part, the computer scientists that had a major part in you know saving the the the, the Western world that we live in now, our freedoms, um, the vote right to vote, women's vote, vote, rights, <laughs> was because um, of computer scientists, and. Um, These computer scientists um, were not making some silly game to shoot people with. I mean, how how cruel is that? Or making a a thing to work out where your banners on your your website is. These were people that were saving lives. So that's what real computer science is for me is that it's using, you know, real intellect to solve real problems. And it's still happening now. You know, a lot of, you know, in the medical industry, they're using computer science every day to save lives. So, um, but that's where I wanted to get, sort of touch you with, you know, get you in, you know, realizing that this area is not just some boring, inert thing, computer science, it's not just, oh yeah, um, and then you'll you'll hopefully get addicted to learning the actual engineering of all this stuff. But anyway, so of course, Alan Turing, um, as you all know, it all, um, he carried on, and of course, he lived a life of solitude and um, it was actually after, it was later after leaving the Babbage Project when he actually really formulated the modern day computer thinking, by the way. So the actual concept of the universal machine and the um, the idea of um, really computers being able to um, run software, if you will, or what he called you know a machine being a machine was all formulated with heaps of his paperwork after he left that project and um the mathematics of that was public so that he was allowed to effectively share his his concept of computers themselves and um that was you know what got onto what we use today so he he wrote a lot of the theories of um you know using binary to do complex calculations, the concept of a machine having its own data put back into itself again, um, the idea of a loop. Then, then of course, the machine, the actual um, bomb machine was, was, you know, again, it was destroyed. But the Americans, there's a little side story, came in Grabbed a lot of the maths and the scientists that have worked around these projects, and um, effectively, IBM capitalized on it. <laughs> so that's maybe another story. But uh, but effectively, what what uh, in a sort of a simple story, um, after the maths and the theory of the, the 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 computer science world was written, a lot by Alan Turing. Um, and his work was public. The maths was taken, and the scientists that worked on it were were, were taken, and IBM was formed in America in the 1950s. And that's where the um, actual machines were started. You know, that's the capitalization on it. The great capitalist of America, they took the maths, they took the theories, and they started punching out actual machines with valves and transistors that could do. Um, could could effectively run software, and then, of course, that's when you had the explosion of governments saying, "Hang on, you can do all our IRD and tax." IBM, this is amazing, and bang, there was your computer. You know, that was the dawn of the computer age. Um, IBM using the maths, making these machines that would do all the, the number crunching for these big, you know, all the all. The, but quite frankly, it was all the governments um, doing things, even like um, all the all, you know, all the tax law. Um, keeping all the data on the citizens, all that. And um, bang, there you go. That was all the 50s, 60s. And um, quite frankly, that technology the IBM and, and those teams worked on, still quite frankly the same today. So, um, yeah, it is almost still the same logic um, going back all these years. Um and it was built on on passionate people, so that's the the reason I did the show is I realised like if I am going to start talking actual computer engineering, telling you how RAM works, um I found it quite boring, and now you know that um effectively computers came out of you know quite frankly life and death World War Two you know. um, and people that were, you know, hungry to solve real problems, you know, real mathematical problems, um, then you'll hopefully start to look at computer differently and go, wow, let me see what I can do to this. Let me see where where I can add something interesting to this world. Um, And I think, you know, if you get the passion for it, See, learning software languages is not that hard in a way. It's literally just going on YouTube and watching, you know, maybe three weeks three weeks of a whole lot of videos and doing some tutorials. But without the sort of passion and understanding why things happened, you might not be able to innovate on the, on the engineering. And I think that's, that's the exciting part is being able to um, add to this. Anyway guys, I really appreciate you coming in and hopefully you get a little bit of that and you're going to start coming back more to learn the um, how these things really work, what is binary, um, and if you are interested, please uh, watch the Alan Turing movie, The Invitation Games, and watch the documentary that goes with it, all the actual science of, of, the, of the mathematics. Okay, sorry about the interruptions today, it's a bit weird. This update, my name's Anthony, uh, and you enjoy your Sunday.